Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media production. He's just an actor, right? I mean, we saw him in a few movies. We, we, we've seen him like do some plays. He lives in New York. He's an avid Broadway goer. Uh, well, guess what? He's actually more than a thespian and an actor. He actually is a serial entrepreneur, and he's here on the podcast, the Mr. Thrive podcast, to talk with us about the various businesses that he has operated in and outside of the arts that helps support communities in ways that I would like my business to do as well. I'm really excited for you guys to hear what we have to say. There's actually a lot that Harley and I relate to in this episode. It's also just exciting to speak with an artist who has done a ton in the world of entrepreneurship. On top of that, I want you guys to be just as excited as I am for the June 29th Pride Networking Party. We're going to have performances by members of the LGBTQ community. And on top of that, as always, we're going to continue to find ways to find and encourage collaboration with the arts and entertainment community. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover emerging artist, serial entrepreneur Harley Harrison Yanoff. Harley, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. And it's it's really interesting because you have a background in acting, but you go by serial entrepreneur. For those who don't know you, what are all the different companies that you are currently running under your umbrella? Uh, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I think my my first and foremost company is uh, is Harley Harrison. That's my uh, that's my name with the Screen Actors Guild and Actors Equity. Um, that was my first love. Uh, you know, being an actor. Uh, and I, uh, I'm also the, um, the owner of, of some businesses. So we've got, uh, spotlight productions, uh, which is an in-person, uh, theater workshop, uh, that does summer programs and things like that. And that's in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I am the owner and founder of top notch events. Uh, that is a catering and staffing company in New York city and Los Angeles. Uh, I am the founder of Broadway from home which is a virtual uh, theater program that connects kids with Broadway actors. Um, and kids can be from all over the world, uh, you know, with live performances and classes. Uh, let's see, we've got Top Notch Live, which is a digital um, event production company uh, where we specialize in engagement and virtual events. Um, all right, that's, that's four. And then I have a, uh, I'm the partner in a real estate company called uh, Hexy Development, uh, you know, where we uh, purchase and flip and, you know, have long term, uh, you know, rentals, um, as well as an Airbnb uh, business. So my goodness. I, I mean, do you ever just get exhausted from like giving your 30 second pitch like that? Like these are all the 20 million different businesses I, I cover. <laughs> it's, it's not, I usually don't, I usually don't, don't, don't do all that. So it'll, it'll usually be, you know, if I'm meeting somebody and they say, what do you do? I, I kind of, it's, it's one of those things. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there can, can relate to this is you're, you're not really sure what to say. What do you lead with? And, you know, I always still say, um, you know, I'm an actor and I also, you know, I, I own some, um, some businesses as well. Uh, I usually don't list them all off, but you know, it kind of depends on how long the conversation's going. But. And I imagine it also depends on how much you want to impress the person you're speaking to. Exactly. Like if, like if it's a first, yeah. like if it's a first date, you're like, uh, let me just tell you all 58 million 
businesses I do because it impresses me. If I was your date, I mean, t- when's date two? Like, I w- I would be one hundred percent all over it. Or or, or it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know uh, a different a different company can be presented uh, on each date. No, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's it's hard to sort of put it into terms, and it's it's actually a great question. Like I said, it's very it's not exhausting. It's just sometimes it feels like the more I say about it, the more I feel kind of like I'm gloating and I'm, and I'm not, I'm just trying to like really try to explain to people what I do. And it's, it's, it's tiresome. Um, but it's, uh, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a second, but I want you to know Harley that you are about to enter our season three game show trivia warm-up so without further ado i prepared three questions in line with things that you should know and to get us warmed up i'm going to go ahead and get through it you have a you have a company called um broadway from home and you're also living in new york right behind you are a bunch of of great photos from uh, new york definitely new york vibes in your apartment so it only made perfect sense to start giving you some trivia questions in broadway how, how well do you think you know Broadway, by the way? Oh, man, it depends. I feel like I know some things really well and other things not. So, I don't know. We'll see how I do. All right. Let's, let's get into it then. All right. For question number one, the actual street of Broadway runs 33 miles long. How many miles are not even in within the city borders of New York? Is it A, zero, as in all of the miles are within New York? B, Three miles are outside of New York. C, 18 miles are out of New York. Or D, 31 miles are out of New York. Hmm. Um, all right. So I'm just trying to think about this. So we're talking about the street Broadway, right? And we're, Correct. we're talking about that. All right. Yeah. yeah. And New York. It's definitely not zero. I don't think it's three. Uh, I'm going to go with 18. Damn. Good guess. Question number one, A+. Plus. Good job. You got it. Oh, that, that was a guess. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good job. All right. For question number two, how many different actors have played the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway? Is it A, only one actor has ever played the Phantom? B, three actors have played the Phantom? C, 15 different actors have played the Phantom? Or D, 25 of them have played the Phantom? Uh, it's definitely either 15 or 25. It's the longest running show on Broadway. So, uh, honestly, I, I thought you were going to say like 50. So I'm going to go with the highest. I'm going to go with 25, 25. The answer is 15. There have been 15. You were close though. You were close. You were on the right track, but I will say this. Here's something interesting. I didn't know when reading this article is that every individual phantom. So all those different 15 actors so far who have played the phantom each had their own custom made mask. In the uh, show. That makes so sense. Yeah. It's actually a little different per actor. And I think that's actually really neat because I bet when you're done playing that role, you get to keep that as a tradition and put it on display. Um, and then that's interesting, though, because that show has been running for like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess one phantom could play it for like two or three years. So, yeah, 15 yeah. actually does make sense. It's pretty crazy. All right. And so for the final trivia question, what was the first ever nude Broadway production? Was it A, Spring Awakening, B, Hair, C, Les Miserables, or D, Cabaret? Hair. Damn. You knew that. Like, I knew that one. I knew you that knew one. You knew that one. How'd, how'd you know that one? 
I mean, that's just, everybody knows that one. I think that's like the, I mean, that like actually was a completely nude like production, I believe. Spring Awakening, like there's just one element of it. Les Mis, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I threw that one in there just because I knew the play and I, I did the play. You know. What was the other one you put in there? Cabaret, because I figured, oh, that's a risque play. Cabaret, you know, yeah, there, but there's not actually around. nudity. So yeah, so Spring Awakening, there's only like a butt that you see once, but I know that <laughs> hair is like actually like, they, they go full nude in that. It was pretty scary. Right, right. right. He, he and what's amazing is it was very ahead of its time because that was all the way in 1968 and they've since then they did 1750 performances on Broadway which is yeah. I can't even like conceive doing that many shows I mean I'm sure it's different casts doing that show and whatnot but one production alone covering that show that many times is insane to me mm-hmm. it's it happens be insane. I mean, when you think about it, they do eight shows a week, though. So in a year, you know, multiply that, you know, you're doing almost 500, you know, so it adds up, you know, if something's running long enough, like, you know, I mean, Wicked's been going since 2003. And um, I don't know there's Hamilton will run forever. So, you know, well, you did a fantastic job on our trivia warm up. You feeling warmed up? I am Yeah, two out of three. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Two out of three was pretty good. Pretty good. I don't know how I would do on this show, by the way. Like, I haven't triviaed myself. No one's triviaed me. So <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that next time. That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. I, I bet you're gonna throw some crazy, crazy questions at me. Here, here's one thing though. What do you think is gonna happen when we're out of this pandemic and people want to go see a Broadway show? Do you think that it's gonna be very easy to revive Broadway, or do you think that this is something that we're gonna have to adapt and find a new means to an end? No, I think that, you know, it's it's interesting because things are slowly coming back in, in New York and, you know, I'm in the uh, on the ground event business. And so in my mind, I thought that it still was going to be a long time before people wanted to do anything. And I'm, I mean, we're slammed right now with very small events, but it's definitely feeling like people are chomping at the bit to do things. So I think what will happen is Broadway will open, not at full capacity, but I think that there's not going to be an, it's going to be very difficult to get tickets because I think people are just so starved for theater again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're, you know, I think the only problem is going to be how many people can you, can you get inside? And then with that, if you can't fill it up, do you have to charge more? Which, you know, no, I, I, I can see what you're saying. And I think based on what you're saying, I, I if that scenario is what plays out, then what I can also imagine playing out is the fact that those tickets would be quite expensive. Exactly. Yeah. And when those when when you have something that once was a commodity and now is a treasure, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to find alternative means to view it. So I think it's a little bit of a hybrid. I think that's going to be the the key word of 2021 going into 2022. I've been using that phrase hybrid for so many different things when it comes to my personal business and how we plan to operate the different ways I network and whatnot. Hybrid is a key word. And so I think we're going to have this hybrid experience of theater production where Broadway is definitely the go-to place in New York, but there might be a new alternative means coming about. Hey, who knows, Harley? Maybe that could be another business for you. I, I've been I've been thinking about that for a year, man. I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to be the first one to bring back something that's super, super interesting. And uh, it's tough because there's just, you know, everything is restricted and, you know, can't really just like find a spot in New York City and do a show. So it's, uh, I'm working on it. (laughs) The the process of coming up with an idea that's unique in a time where everything is restricted, it always reminds me of film school 
And when I was in film school, they we were they would always give us a weird assignment like do this make make this film about this, but you can't do X, Y, and Z. And I always thought about like how it was always very frustrating. I didn't like being restricted. I just wanted to grab a camera and start shooting something, right? And instead, what ended up happening was I was forced to be creative. And only after the assignment, only after college, really, did I realize, oh, wait, that's when I was most creative. Yeah. So, I mean, during this pandemic, we've seen some quite some pretty innovative ways to go about different shows. And that's very much about what your businesses do now. A lot of them have pivoted into this new model today. Like, tell us about that. I want to hear more about the different strategies you've implemented here to survive to exist. Yeah. yeah, no. So, um, so it's interesting because, uh, it was, a you know, I mean, it was like almost exactly 13 months ago. Um, and, uh, I just remember sort of getting some, like, I don't know, some people were talking about how things like might get a little messy and I don't know, maybe one event called me up and they were like, Hey, you know, have you heard about this? Like, are you concerned? And this was before anything major had happened. I said, no, like I didn't really know anything. And then like one day, like three events canceled. And then uh, I don't, it it just, and, and then, and then I think the next day we had another event and, and I ended up running out to get some ice in the supermarket was like out of food. And I, it just kind of hit me right there. I was like, Oh, this is this is gonna be like the last day of anything normal for a while, and sure enough, that night Broadway shut down, the NBA shut down, and uh, all of my events just stopped. So we're talking like fifty to seventy-five different cancellations in two days for like you know a three-month period. I gotta know what that feels like. Uh, it was just kind of uh shock you know kind of uh, it was one of those things where you know i created this company um i worked really hard to to get to a, a spot that i was in where i was i was comfortable and it was really running like a well-oiled machine and i i you know that's what i'd always set out to do is because you know i always wanted to act and and you know but you got to make money doing that and i had developed this company that was kind of my I don't want to say golden ticket, but like it really did become this large thing that I I counted on. I relied on it for everything. And it just kind of hit me like, oh my God, I, this is, this is not here. But I was sort of thinking, okay, I'm going to lose like a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months, God forbid, but you know, we'll be fine for May and June and I had no, I had no idea. So, um, yeah, the feeling was just kind of this void, but, um, you know, I, I sort of went into, uh, like a state of just panic for like two straight days where I just, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, just kind of like pacing and thinking and just being totally defeated. And, uh, I like went on Amazon and I like ordered a, um, I ordered a a wood like a a wood burning kit <laughs> like a wood burning kit what is that yeah. it's like it's like a piece of metal that you like plug in and you can like make designs in wood and like I'm not an artist like I'm not a fine oh, artist okay. at all like I I'm not good at like drawing or designing or anything like that 
I think I just like in my head, I was like, oh, well, maybe during the pandemic, I'll like learn this new skill of like carving art into wood and maybe I can sell it, you know, and and then open an Etsy shop. Exactly. And then I did that and I made a billion dollars. Now, that would be a really good story, though, if I like that would be a really good story. I became some like wood burning savant and and then opened up a studio. No. Uh, Yeah. So I bought that and um, that got boring after like 10 minutes. And then I. um, Yeah, and then I just kind of like, <laughs> just kind of like, really just sort of took a deep breath and started thinking about things. And I went on Facebook and I saw that, um, I just saw that like some some parents, um, you know, because I own like a, a, a summer theater camp, and I just saw like some parents and teachers on my Facebook who were kind of in panic mode because like they just said that like schools were canceled indefinitely. So I, I, that kind of like light bulb me a little bit. And I was like, oh my God, how is that going to work? Like the kids are at home. There's no way that the schools know how to like keep kids engaged and this is going to be a mess. Um, so then I started thinking about theater and how this is really a bummer because like when I was a kid, theater was my, you know, sort of escape and my thing to do and what made me feel good um, and it was a way to connect with people. And so I just thought, all right, well, maybe I could do like a virtual acting class. Um, so I reached out to like the couple of the parents of the kids from the previous summer. And I said, hey, would anybody be interested in like a one hour class where I just like, you know, teach some stuff? And they forwarded this email to a few other people. And all of a sudden, like 30 people wanted to sign up for this. And I just, I was like, I'm not equipped to do this, but I've got some friends. So I called up some friends and I was like, Hey, I've got this thing. I don't know like what's going to happen, but there's a lot of people that want to sign up for this. And so we basically like, we just sort of went for it. And, uh, I created a website. We named it. Uh, I spent like probably 20 straight hours just building a super, super basic website we called it Broadway from home because the idea was, okay, well I'll bring, you know, some Broadway connections that I have in people and, you know, we'll let these kids in Boston, you know, my only contacts, um, take a class from somebody that's been on Broadway and, and, you know, maybe this. And so, uh, we did it and it was, it was crazy because it was like, I didn't know how to use zoom. And this was like, and 30 kids come into zoom and I'm just like, I have no, like, (laughs) but it worked. And then I started like researching things like, and then I discovered like breakout rooms, which like a year ago was like foreign. And now it's just like, you know, it's like part of everybody's vocabulary. And what ended up happening was, um, everybody who took that class passed that along to somebody else. People asked they wanted more. And this was, again, this was so early in the pandemic that schools just were like doing half an hour a day. So parents were just so desperate for their kids to be engaged in something. So we just like went full speed, um, started like getting the Broadway community together because they were all out of work. They're not making any money. And um, yeah, so that day we started Broadway from home, it literally just never stopped. It was Every single day, we were running multiple classes per day. Um, it, you know, I ended up hiring a PR company that got just insane press. We were in Variety, Hollywood Reporter. I was in Boston Globe. 
I was on every TV network, Yahoo Finance. It was it was bananas. And um, and then we started doing live productions with the kids and and started increasing our technology and and it just you know it just became this. That was my full time job and and it it made me super excited. So I I got really lucky in that I had about two days of like pandemic panic. Um, but then I, I was really able to like completely lose myself for a very long period of time. Well, first of all, I, I wanted to let you know that earlier I was laughing because I do woodworking as a hobby on the side. So when you told me about the wood burning kit and what you were doing, I started to laugh because I just thinking to myself, oh my God, we're polar opposites in that way. Cause I would get such a kick out of that. As a matter of fact, do me a favor, ship me your wood burning kit. I'd love to. Play no, it. here's the thing. I actually really <laughs> did like it. I think my point was that, well, first of all, they didn't send me enough wood. And also, uh, I just, I like need a stencil, but I know, dude, I think it's really cool. I will not send it to you because I do plan on getting back. <laughs> I've just been, what ended up, I just got too busy. <laughs> it's like, that's why you see this guitar right here. Everybody, everybody always talks to me. Yeah, about yeah. They're like, oh, you know, you play. And like, no, I don't. I bought that guitar because I thought if I bought it, then it would force me to learn how to play it. I don't know how to do it. Because I, I just like, I started and then I was like, I don't have time and my fingers hurt. So, you know, it was the same thing with wood burning, I'm sure. I just like, I, like <laughs> I don't have time for this. Well, at least the guitar gives good aesthetic. And maybe you can take your wood burning and then burn the guitar and then sell that guitar. That's true. I'll, I'll do like Boom. a little, I'll do like Mr. Thrive in it. We can put it on the Oh table. my God, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't play guitar, but maybe that would get me to play guitar. Who knows? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I will say though that your story of entrepreneurship is so admirable and I, I very much resonate with it. I very much had a very similar burn your ships moment, which I talk about in one of my previous episodes uh, for this season, uh, the season two recap, which you guys can go check out right now on the podcast, talking about what it was like to experience, as you described the COVID panic, you know, of not knowing what the hell you're going to do with your life. And then kind of stumbling upon this exciting, opportunity that you realize you can capitalize on and build. And I mean, here you are, you're not just building a business, but you're also touching the lives of these children. You found a need and you got these parents to take a breather for a second, because I know that that's been hard on all the different parents during this pandemic. I can't imagine, but I, I gotta say that, yeah, it's uh it's completely commendable, but that's not the only business. You didn't stop there. Yeah. Um, so basically what happened with, with, so, a few things happened during this time. So while Broadway from home was, was running, I was, all my time was going to that. And, um, we ended up actually, I got a phone call from a client of mine, um, with the, the top notch events, the on the ground, um, you know, catering and salmon company. And, uh, it was a client of mine who, who does a lot of, um, Hollywood, uh, movie premieres and things like that. And so what they actually were starting to get into was, um, like curated um, boxes for movie premieres and and television premieres and things like that. Because traditionally, you know, when a new show comes out on Hulu or Netflix or something um, or whatever, there's a party and a premiere and a red carpet type of thing and, and all that. But now that wasn't going to happen. So the industry kind of shifted to these like curated boxes where there would be like food and swag Um and so we ended up partnering with them. So we started doing a lot of those Hollywood things where we would, you know, be sourcing some of the products, 
um, putting together these interesting boxes. And then a cool thing was we would be hand delivering them to like A-list celebrities. So I assembled a team in Los Angeles and New York, and we began this this courier service slash you know curated premier boxes. Um, so that you know was able to provide some work to some some folks, which was which was really nice, and um, and and so that was that was definitely interesting. And then um, so that was going on which kept that company afloat. Um, and then what ended up happening with Broadway from home was a, an old friend of mine reached out who was a, a sound and lighting designer on Broadway, like one of the most talented technical people I've ever met. And he was sort of in the same boat. He, his Broadway show that he was working on had closed. And, and he asked me, he said, Hey, I've seen what you've done with Broadway from home. looks really exciting. If you ever need somebody to like teach a class on lighting and sound, you know, let me know. And, um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool idea. I, I didn't know how it would sort of go over with the kids, but, you know, I said to him, like, I'll totally, you know, think about that and I'll, I'll see what the interest is like, but, you know, I've been using zoom and I'm just kind of like really unimpressed with the customization and like, you know, I just, I want our shows because we were doing these live shows with the kids and it was, we were just doing them in, in zoom and it was just kind of like, Everybody was doing that. And, you know, the way that my brain operates is like, you've got to do something different or better than what other people are doing. Or you're just kind of doing everything that everybody else is. So it was kind of how do we up the ante on this? And he just came up with some incredible solutions and, and we started putting our heads together. So um, you know, he, he was able to put some like really interesting branding in and effects and things. And this was all done live. And, you know, we started then doing our shows like that and people were just kind of blown away. And so he and I decided that, you know, this was something that I think could have some corporate use, um, you know, and really sort of come out into the business world. Um, so we created a, a, a new company called Top Notch Virtual. Um, we used the top notch name for my other company just because there was some brand recognition um, and, and people sort of knew me from that. So uh, it's a digital um, virtual engagement um, company where we do like, you know, all aspects of, of live streaming and video. Um, and we really focus on engagement. So um, what we do is we sort of take like your typical conference or meeting or event, whether it's a premiere or anything, and we can do very customized um, 3D environments in real time. We can do graphics and logos all live. And, and that's kind of our our thing. So um, so we started that and it ended up um, being quite popular during the pandemic. And um, so now that that's kind of, you know, rocking and rolling. Um, we've, we've been working with National Geographic on a lot of their um, premieres. Uh, we do a virtual uh, trivia package for corporate clients uh you know instead of a happy hour they'll do that we do virtual cooking classes um bingo you know we we kind of are, are just sort of asking people you know what do you want to do and we try to bring that to you on a virtual level that's something different than you've seen somewhere else so um so yeah that's been uh, another interesting thing and and it was cool because those businesses you know also kind of work together so when broadway from home has a performance top-notch live um you know, runs the back end. So I, I think it's pretty neat how, from what you're describing, that there's an ecosystem between what you're creating, that everything ties in together into this very nice package. 
makes me wonder even if one client or one customer could find ways to integrate in all the different businesses that you've put together, which would make that person a super client for you. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Finally, a better way to hold your phone. Introducing Steady Straps. Made here in the USA, Steady Straps are high quality, flexible straps that adjust to hold virtually any phone comfortably and securely. Steady Straps are washable and come in a wide range of colors and styles. See them all at SteadyStraps.com because they're so visible, they're the perfect promotional item to advertise your company message or logo. Learn more at SteadyStraps.com. That's SteadyStraps.com. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast Studio Quality SaaS Remote Recording Platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. You know what? I'm I'm picking up on a motif here that's interesting. And if I'm wrong, then tell me right now. But I'm picking up on the fact that what you offer is either one of two things. And the first one is education. And the first one is the ability to white label and manage that into a way that benefits both parties. Am I, am I picking up on that correctly? That's exactly it. That's a pretty expert level thing to do. I think there's a, probably a lot of business owners listening to this who will probably nod their head in agreement that not many people are able to pull that off. What is the main reason that makes you as, as successful in doing that? So that's a great question. And it's a really interesting um, thing you picked up on. And I, I think that it, it kind of, there's a couple of things about it. I think A, the reason why, I think there's a lot of people who just, wouldn't bother with it because what I will say is I absolutely, I'll be completely transparent with this is when we have an event and somebody asks for something, if I don't do it, I know I can find somebody that does that I will manage and put it under me so that it's literally one sort of go-to. So if somebody asks me for a moon bounce, I'm not going to tell them, Hey, call the moon bounce company because they don't really want to deal with that. They want a one-stop shop. And that's kind of what I'm trying to offer and that's 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 the goal of this and i think the the way to do that is you just kind of have to not be afraid to to do the extra work and and you know it's definitely like sometimes it's a headache you know it would be much easier to just send them somewhere else and and you know and sometimes you're not really making that much extra money by doing that but what you are doing is you are you're making that client completely uh just they need you you know, they're, they're completely like, they're like, oh, well they can take care of everything. Um, and again, and I think the way to do that more than, more than just doing it is also having a team. Um, and you know, I, I think that 
any of my success, however you want to measure it, is is not because I am the best at at anything that I do. Um, but I do think I am incredibly good at finding amazing people um, to work and to collaborate with and developing a team and systems. And I think that is a lot of how anybody is successful. I think if you talk to anybody, if anybody says that they do everything themselves, I, I would say that, you know, that's probably um, far off. Um, but yeah, I think that it comes down to just a team. I couldn't agree more. And I think that that's something that you and I can relate to 100%. Shout out to the Mr. Thrive Network and the Mr. Thrive Volunteer Committee and Izzy Salant and all the different amazing people in my network with C-Suite, with ProVisors. I completely agree with that, with JBL included. Um, man, I mean, having a powerful network that you can find ways to manage so that way, again, both parties are, are, are profiting from it and having a positive experience from, even though it might make a little extra work, being the go-to resource, the one-stop shop for, I mean, really anything under the sun in your category is tremendous. And that's something a goal, that's certainly a goal of mine. Business is something that, you know, I think has been a part of my personal life for quite some time. My dad ran a business for 30 years and, um, he's always kind of coached me in, in terms of my personal development and now is beginning to coach me a lot more on my business development as he is transitioning into becoming a business coach, by the way. Um, so I've, I've become kind of an experiment for him to, to work with, you know, a, a, an experimental pupil, if you will. Yeah. Um, but that was one of, that was a lesson recently that I learned uh, where it's important to know who your ideal clients are, Right where you're prospecting and you're gauging whether or not someone will be good for you. But on the other hand, there was a recent lesson that I personally learned where I did send the business somewhere else. And my thought process for that was this person wants a very specific service of mine. And instead of asking for the full package, they only want one aspect of it. So I'm going to send it to a guy that I know can accomplish that very easily. And maybe that'll make things buddy, buddy with me and that guy. I thought that was my, that was my process for it. And I realized that was a missed opportunity um, because I, I could have still accomplished the buddy buddy thing with him, but still found a way to, you know, earn money from that. Right. And so, I mean, that's just the nature of capitalism. That's the beast of capitalism right there. Uh, and I, I wasn't playing that game. I was playing the, the friendly game, um, you know, and I, I think at the end of the day, I got lucky with that one because that sale never went anywhere anyway. Um, the guy never got the business, but you know, that was a learning lesson for me. And this has been for me, at least during this pandemic, a huge learning curve in the field of business. Talking with another artist that is as well versed in business as you are is actually for me in some, in some ways, a breath of fresh air. So it's really great to talk about this kind of stuff and really grow from this. There's a lot that I can learn. Oh from man. You. Likewise. Thank you. It's, you know <laughs> what though? I, I, I do want to, I want to touch on that. It's interesting what you just said about that story, because, you know, sometimes I do I do think I'm going to get real here. Uh, you know, sometimes I do think okay. though that I I have you know being in business and especially in New York City and and in the line of work that I'm doing across the different sort of platforms, it is a very it is a very cutthroat um, business. As as funny as it sounds, and um, I I do wish a little bit, Chaz, honestly that that I that I had sort of a little bit of that mentality where. You know, if somebody came to me and 
maybe it wasn't something I exactly did, but I knew somebody who did, I would just send it their way. And sometimes I do. I, I think that I try to, I try to get into every single thing that comes to me, you know, even if it's something that I really don't do. Um, and, and, you know, instead of doing that, I, I, I figure out a way to do it, which is great, but I think there is something to be said about, you know, working with others and, and, you know, paying it forward. Um, so I don't know, it's tough to, it's tough to know like exactly when and, and if to, to do that. But, you know, I think it's case by case. Well, I think again, like what you said, it, it very much, I, I think, I think you're already doing it in a, in a fantastic way. And thank you so much for, by the way, for being real with with me, as you just said, you were, um, I think, I think again, you did it the best way possible because, again, in this situation where you're talking about a cutthroat industry, again, we're just talking about capitalism here. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, finding the way to make money while still allowing the person that you're white labeling to get their share of it is honestly fantastic because at that point, I mean, you're getting the, the best of both worlds in that situation. I think maybe – the only way to really gauge whether or not just to send it off to someone is almost like to have a plan C. So obviously your plan A, right? But let's say they only want that specific service, right? You send it to your plan B, but that plan B is white labeled under your services and thus you're still profiting off of it, right? So I'm thinking there's got to be a plan C and the plan C is someone that, you know, maybe wants to get into what you do, but you're not letting them in yet because they need to prove themselves a little bit. So you're going to send them work to someone and I think I think then the reason why you'd send work to Plan C is because you meet a client or you meet a customer that probably just doesn't have a good personality match with you. You know, I think that's really what it comes down to. If you're if you're going to work with someone and you can tell it's going to be pins and needles, it's going to be sandpaper to work with them. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's when you send it to Plan C. Like, let's see what Plan C can put that can do. With yeah, this, no, know? I think I think that's definitely a point. And then I think the other one is sometimes you know if it's if it's if it's a client that is I'll, I'll use catering for instance okay and let's say it's yeah. somebody who's having a, a house party and they need one person and it's a holiday party this person is not going to be a repeat client maybe they'll do this again next year and it's one person but at the end of the day like the amount of money i'm going to make on that and the repeat business is not significant enough for me to put in any extra work or really have any stress. So uh, the way I see it with that is like, if I can do this great, if I can't, or, or if trying to is going to create any sort of stress or confusion to me, then it's not worth it. In which case, like, I don't need it. You can have it, you know? Yeah. And you're also in a very comfortable place now where, you know, you're able to work. I'll tell you one thing, one thing interesting on my end in, in that regard is I, through the C-suite network, met this gentleman by the name of John Largent, and he does exactly what I do. He's a podcast producer, acts as a one-stop shop, has uh, several clients that he produces podcasts for. My first thought when meeting him was, oh, a competitor, right? Um, but no, I mean, he's a, he's a very fine gentleman from Texas, and he was very pleasant and polite. And first of all, we had a really good personal connection on a on a personality level. Um, but then the other thing as well was he said, there are going to be points where I need to outsource work to someone and I may want to work with you. And I said, yeah, that'd be fantastic. I would love to 
you know, get your, uh, you know, to, to get business from you and hopefully send the same to you. And it ended up being kind of a partnership and we now are in talks and he's even referred me to the C-suite network to, you know, get me, you know, provide my services into what they do. So that air quote competitor right there, um, just became my best friend. He just became my champion. And for those who are listening who don't understand the the concept of champion versus any other thing else, uh, you have five different types of people in business that are not business owners or employees, right? You have your lost causes, you have your suspects, you have your prospects, you have your uh, clients, and then you have your champions. And the champions, believe it or not, even though you have clients, even though you want to get clients, you want to actually have more champions in your life. The reason why you want to have more champions in your life is because they are the ones who send you referrals. They are the ones who promote for you. They are the ones that help you go viral because they are your super fans and they're the ones that get you out there. So yeah, getting a client is great, but there's nothing more valuable than having a champion. And that guy, John, is my champion. I want to be his champion too. He has my best interest at heart. I want to have his best interest at heart. So that's just really the beauty of networking and having really good people by your side. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I've even met people in, in this industry, you know, in the, the catering and staffing world who will come to me for collaborations if they don't have, you know, what they need and, and vice versa. So, you know, there's definitely ways to, to, to do that. Um, I think it's just, you know, being sort of confident enough in your, in your business that, you know, you're not afraid that somebody's going to screw you over and, and take, you know, what's yours because, um, you know, that's always sure. something in the, in the back of, of anybody's mind, I think who, who has something, um, because, you know, unless you are, are doing something that literally nobody in the world can do, which is, is very difficult. Um, there's always going to be somebody who can do what you're doing. It's just, you know, are they going to do it exactly the way that you do? Exactly. I couldn't say it better myself. What I would like to touch up on, though, you're also an actor. And like me, you've kind of put your personal passion of acting off to the side. My personal passion is filmmaking and screenwriting, screenwriting and directing. You've put it off to the side so that way you can really focus on your business. What will it take you to begin focusing on your acting? Oh, man, that is that is like the that is the question. And are you addicted to business now? Is it like you're never coming back now because you're going to have withdrawals? What's you know, that's 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 <laughs> kind of the million dollar question. And, and the I'm going to put an air quotes problem because, um, you know, when I moved to New York, I was I was just acting and auditioning. And, and you know, for money, I was doing background work. So I was still like connected I hated it so much. Background work is, is apologies to anybody (laughs) out there who likes it, but I I think it's the worst thing in the world. It is just, you know, I didn't like it, but, um, you know, I was just doing that and I was auditioning and, and it was all about how to just make money to keep taking classes and do whatever I needed to do to become a, you know, working actor. And, um, and what I, you know, ended up, which happens to a lot of people in New York, is is that they start working and they start working more and more and more. And that's not even really what happened with me. It's I started working, but I also started figuring out ways of of making money doing other things. And so, you know, catering and being a bartender on private events was something that I I was good at. Um, and 
I was, you know, comfortable. And then what ended up happening with that was through kind of a weird turn of events where I did a private event for a fashion company and they asked me if I had some friends who wanted to work. Uh, and I brought them along and this client at the end gave me some money to disperse to my friends. I, I kind of light bulb that as what if I started a staffing company and I connected actors and people around New York and wherever with temporary gigs that they could take on their own time. And, you know, if they had an audition or something and they needed to get out, you know, it was, it was actor friendly. It was, it was gig friendly. And this is before the gig economy became sort of the, the thing to do. Um, and, and really the goal of that though, starting that was, great. Like here's some more money that I can put towards better headshots or this or that. And it just very, very quickly became like a drug, you know, it really did. It became this kind of, Oh wow. I just did that. How much more can I, you know, and it just, all of a sudden that became the priority. Um, but in that, you know, I never, uh, I, I never lost sight of, of why I moved to New York and, and, you know, why when somebody asks me what I do, I, I start with, I'm an actor, even though between you and me, you know, the last real acting I did has been, you know, quite a while, um, as is most actors right now because of the pandemic. So I've got a, a pass last year, but, um, you know, it, it is one of those things where I don't think I'd be happy not creating new businesses or running a business, but I also know that like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to say that I'm not actively trying to act. Like, am I going to auditions every day? No, but what I am doing is thinking, okay, well, how do I create more businesses so that I can produce my own X, Y, or Z or, you know, something like that. So it's, it's honestly, I wish that I didn't want to, be an actor anymore it would it would be so much easier you know like i wish i didn't yeah. care i wish i didn't like it i wish that you know when i read a play or saw a movie i liked that i didn't get this feeling that i can't get doing anything else but i do so i i kind of have to continue to wear all the hats um and you know i just kind of go with where the opportunity is and it's been and is right now with creating business. I completely get that. It just goes to show you that when you have a perception of business, and I guess you're thinking of like corporate America, which it's probably a little bit more true on the bigger business side, the corporate America side, that it's a very emotionless uh, machine that is just operating, that these large head figures are just kind of going at their own pace um, with no care in the world. You get like Jeff Bezos kind of stereotypes going on, right? Um, you're just thinking of like a very bleak office with charts going on and a bunch of suits laughing at some weird joke they probably shouldn't be laughing at, right? Um, <laughs> all fantasies aside, what I'm saying is that it just goes to show you that business is a very visceral thing, especially at our level. You know, when we're creating our baby, you know, my baby's Mr. Thrive Media. It's this one company that has two services of podcast production and networking parties for artists, entertainment professionals, right? You got your babies, plural. So I have an only child. You have chill. You have a bunch of siblings, right? And you're building them. You're getting attached to them, and, and you're watching them grow and you're watching them develop. And in that time, you're seeing their talents grow and you're 
doing what effectively is a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, technical technicalities that are getting in the way. So that way you can help them grow and develop. Once you have all those things in place, you can continue to watch it grow, but you get so caught up in that. You have to put aside the personal passions. Yeah. I think this, the answer to my question I'm, that I, that I asked you is when I have the, I will know that I can start pursuing screenwriting and directing when I have the means to hire an interim leader, an interim manager of the projects I'm working on. Um, because at some point, I mean, I picture myself in the next five years, the next 10 years, uh, I have these different screenplays. Uh, one in which I'm working with my community outreach and business coordinator, Izzy Salant. Uh, I, I believe that the screenplay that I'm working on with Izzy is so doable. I'm not going to say what it is at this time. It's it's really exciting, but we're almost done with the first draft of the screenplay. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's going to go through its iterations. It might even we might even rewrite it to be a TV show. But, you know, it's so doable that at that point, I'm going to need the ability to literally bring someone else and take over that business. So that way I can come in and do this production because it's all going to tie together. I'm going to make the film production aspect of what we do a part of Mr. Thrive Media. And then people are other people are going to come in and help the podcast aspect accelerate more and help the networking aspect grow across the country. So it's. It's real exciting stuff, but it's all about the resources. I think it's really what it comes down to. When you have the resources, you can then, which means a team, means the capital, means uh, the outreach. It means that that team has the same mindset that you do, that they are your, not just foot soldiers, but super soldiers, that they're practically your second and third in command, that they're not the bottom line people. So I, it's a mentality thing as well, is what I'm realizing. As I'm talking with you, you helped me realize this just now, by the way. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it is. It's about delegating because, you know, I mean, look at, there's certainly been times where I've, I've you know, I, I did a, a, you know, Disney movie a few years ago where I was gone for a few months. And, you know, every single one of my companies is, it's not, it's not just me behind the wheel. Each one of them has sort of a point person who's overseeing it. So that, you know, if I need to go off the grid tomorrow for a day or two, like there's somebody watching over those things. So I have gotten to a point where, where I can delegate that. And I guess to, to answer your question is what is it going to take to come back? It's, it's like, honestly, it's, it's just, I, I, I've developed a lot of these businesses myself at the very beginning and did that for whatever reason, whether it's a film or a TV show or a play, I don't write. I just don't. And so that's kind of like the thing for me is like what I need to do is find people that have skills that I don't have and a project that I can sort of sink my teeth into so that that sort of brand new corporation can get together. So this is kind of the acting for me is that thing that like, I'm not going to say that I could create any type of business and, and it could be successful because I, I, I'm not going to make that statement. Um, but what I will say is that I've yet to find out how to, uh, you know, replicate this quote unquote secret sauce of, of what I do with these other businesses into my performing life because it's just a very different thing. It's sure I can go and spend, you know, $5,000 for somebody to write me a short film and then get some student filmmakers to shoot it. But like, 
that's not the same thing as like sinking into like a, you know, not, I don't want to say real, but that's kind of what it is. I just need to find those people and you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. And I suspect the further you go down the rabbit hole, you will find those people and it'll become a a lot easier over time as you continue to network. You talked about your acting career and how you were cast in a Disney movie. That's the one with Dane Cook, uh, The Disney movie was called, yeah, the Disney movie was called The Finest Hours. Um, So that one, yeah, so that was, this movie came out in like 2016 or 17. It's with Chris Pine and Casey Affleck. It's a, it's a, it's about this oil tanker. It's a true story. Yeah. In the 50s or 60s. So I got cast as like one of the, um, his name was Smitty and he was one of the, um, he was one of the guys on the, on the tanker and uh all of my lines ended up being cut so it was quite a bummer because i spent like three months in a in a a winter uh water tank in boston massachusetts uh got sick a few times but uh yeah the movie yeah the movie was just about a kind of a rescue at sea and chris pine is a hero and you know uh yeah so so that was uh that was that was that and uh i remember that movie i didn't see it a but lot i'm not gonna go check it out and, uh, <laughs> unfortunately did not <laughs> um as well as uh as well as they would have liked but the director craig gillespie was absolutely amazing he directed i tanya large and the real girl he's you know he he's got a great career and um yeah it was a it was an interesting uh an interesting experience very very cold and and wet um like literally in a sound tank or in a in a sound studio in the winter on the water with like it it was raining it was a storm so every day we would be in this pool um with freezing cold water coming down i'd have like 50 pounds of of costume on because it was the 50s and so it was like you know, the pants and the boots. And then they'd gave me a, uh, a wetsuit to wear under it. Um, because I'd be sitting and soaking wet clothes all day. And then, you know, when they would cut, you couldn't just like walk off set. Cause I'm in this boat in the middle of the, in the middle of the thing. So like you had to wait for like a little <laughs> raft to come out like 30 feet to pick you up like two or three actors at a time. And you're talking about like, probably 40 actors in this little boat sometimes all i gotta say is fuck that uh, <laughs> not, not my finest hour <laughs> but what what was the movie then with dane cook because i remember you mentioning that before the Dane Cook movie was called my best friend's girl uh with jason biggs i think it was like 2007 uh that's a movie about dane cook is like hired to be like a bad boyfriend I think something like that. And it's with Kate Hudson and they get together and there's some prom scene where he like takes her to a prom and I play a senior in high school and you know, it's just like a, yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a movie that I don't know how many people have seen. Sometimes I catch it, but it was, it was a fun shoot. Sure. But it got you some recognition from what you were saying. Well, so it, it kind of, that, that kind of ties into, um, so that was senior year of college. And so the, the theater camp, my first business, um, I, I 
started it. It was an, an independent study junior year of college that I then turned into my honors thesis. So I spent all senior year working on it and it was developing a, a summer theater camp for kids because I had attended those all my life and I always felt like there was something missing and that I could do it better. Um, and so I ended up getting cast in that Dane Cook movie senior year. And um, I remember, I don't know, some newspaper ended up getting uh, a story about me or they interviewed me and they got a photo with me and Dane Cook. And I, you know, they had asked me about what I was doing senior year. And so I told them that I was working, you know, on my honors thesis about a, you know, theater camp. And, and again, I wasn't anticipating starting this camp for quite a long time. If ever, it was more of just like an interesting way of thinking about business from an art perspective. Um, and anyways, that article ran and it, it was in the front page of the paper. And, um, I started getting like email requests about more information and how to sign up and, and, you know, it wasn't a real camp. So I, I quickly sort of, you know, went into what the hell am I going to do here mode? And this was before like Squarespace and Wix were around. So it wasn't like I could just go and build a website in a day. This was, this was like 2007. So like not a lot of resources. I know it doesn't sound that long ago, but like, no, not a like if you weren't like a person that understood like how to build websites with like coding and stuff, like you couldn't build a website. Um, so I remember I contacted my, um, my parents had a restaurant and they had a website. And so they connected me with their like web guy. Um, and I called him and I was like, Hey, I need like a super basic website. Um, you know, I had had a name for the company and I, I did not have a logo. So I think I just put the name on the website and, uh, it was just super basic. <laughs> cost me like $250. And I started sending that to people. And, um, and then I, you know, I'd spent $250. So the way that I, I decided, cause like, I was like, how am I going to pay for any of this? Like, so I decided that everybody registering would pay a $250 non-refundable deposit. And so when I got my first check in the mail, I was like, Oh my God, I, <laughs> I broke even. And then from there it was like, okay, every <laughs> time somebody would register, I'd get $250. So I could use that money to spend on marketing and putting a down payment on um the rental space and and yeah so so that movie ended up helping me um really launch the the company by accident and uh yeah it's been it's been going ever since it's kind of like almost like business was your calling yeah right? i mean you know like i said my parents um were are, are are also entrepreneurs you know my my father was always in the restaurant business he owned his restaurants and you know my mom has her own business and um i really was kind of surrounded by a uh by a, a network of people without bosses. Um, you know, the, the concept of a, of a boss was, was foreign to me. And, you know, I had odd jobs in my life. I worked at a grocery store for three weeks. I obviously had a boss. Um, you know, I, um, when I worked at a summer camp, there was obviously a boss, but it wasn't ever like in my adult life having a boss. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a big reason why I keep creating businesses because I don't ever want to have one. Um, 
but but yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I, I, I think I did. That. I think <laughs> that the camp really gave me the bug because I think before that, I don't think I ever would have uh, thought it was possible. And you know, I think owning a business also is one of those things where it makes you. It definitely changes you. Um, I think it makes you a little bit of a workaholic, um, but I also think it 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 makes you grow up pretty fast because you it gets messy and a lot of stuff happens. And you know, the more the bigger you get, and the more you do, the more sort of things that you know you see and experience, and and you know you you develop calluses. And um, you know, which which I think was was one of those things. I always say this is you know, I don't have a fear of rejection. And I think that a lot of business owners that, that is a a sore spot. And the reason why I, I really take rejection fine is because I'm an actor and I'm just, you know, exact. So it's just like, all I did ever was go and perform really well in my opinion and not get it, (laughs) you know, like you get it so little that it just, it made me develop this type of personality where it's like, here's what I'm offering. But, you know, I, I used to do this thing when I go to an audition and I would, I'd have my sides and right after the audition, I just, whether or not I was going to get the part, whether how well it went, I'd throw them out. I would throw them out and that was it. And it was just, Good. I'm done. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, you know, that with business, I think sometimes is, is obviously you don't throw it out, but it's, you have to be willing to sort of, you know, push and shove your way in. And if it works out, cool. But you just got to be ready for the next thing. But stepping out of sales, I want to focus back on you for one second. If someone listening to this podcast right now wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best, best way to reach, reach out, out to me would be, well, I've got like eight email addresses, which always makes things uh, complicated. Um, the easiest thing to do is just uh, I think my, my, um, I'm trying to think, you know what, go to, let me just make sure that this is still working. Let's do this. Let's get my, let's get my actor brain back. <laughs> Harley Harris, harleyharrison.com. Cool. And then contact me through there. Yeah, that's let's, let's do that. I like that. Cause it's bringing, it's bringing the acting back. Otherwise, like it's just, you know, I, I was actually thinking of this today is like, should I just make a website? of the like four or five businesses that I have. Like, I don't even know what the point of that would be, but maybe it's useful. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Harley, the question I ask everybody on this podcast, I've been asking it since season one, what will you be famous for? That is a good question. Um, Okay. I'm going to give two answers. So I think... To my friends and people that currently know me, I think that I will go down and be famous for um, being the person that can create pretty much anything and uh, can connect anybody with anybody else. So kind of the, um, I don't want to say the puppeteer, but the master of ceremonies of people's needs and wants. And, you know, I, I connect people and I, I, I'm the person to go to when you need something that would be, that would be like a friends and family thing. 
what I'm going to be famous for is I'm going to be that actor that nobody really knew about uh, until they were much older than a normal actor gets their big break. I think that's the uh, it's the John Hamm sort of model. That is uh, that is what I'm putting out into the universe. So, um, but I also think that you know, in addition to that, I'm going to be that actor that that has those uh, has those businesses on the side. So, um, you know, because there's there's a lot of actors now who are developing you know alcohol brands and things like that, and I'm I'm definitely going to be one of those, you know, not Two Face, but you know kind of uh kind of doing it all <laughs> harley harrison yan off ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for being on this podcast it's been absolutely terrific getting to know you on an even deeper level this has been such a great really interview. good being here it's a it's a really good conversation thank you for listening this podcast releases bi-weekly on fridays to attend one of our networking events visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com would you like to be a guest on our show email chaz at mrthrive.com thanks and we'll see you next time this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com Thank <laughs> you.